Well, good morning again. It's good to be with you. Um, super grateful to be able to be back up here. Um, for those of you who I don't know, I'm Joel. I'm a pastor down in San Diego. It's good to be back up. I'd be bringing uh, God's Word to you all, uh, meditating on it. Uh, if you would, please open your Bibles and just turn to Psalm 22. You can find it also in your bulletin. Um, this is a long psalm, so uh, I'm going to try to make it interesting as I read it. But uh, we're going to read the entirety of the psalm. Uh, we're going to focus in on the first couple of verses. Um, and then I'll be touching on the psalms as, we're, as the rest of the psalm as we think about those first couple of verses. So uh, listen to the reading of God's Word. This is Psalm 22. Um, to the choir master, according to the doe of the dawn, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry day by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of the people of Israel. In, in you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but is heard when he cried to him. For you, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. 
May our hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation shall worship before You. For the kingship belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before Him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve Him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim His righteousness to a people yet unborn, that He has done it. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Um, let's just pray together for a minute. Lord, thank You so much uh, that, uh, Jesus, these really are Your words. Um, and we don't, uh, yeah, we can, we can use them when we pray to You. Lord, um, You know the affliction, uh, our affliction, and You don't stay away from us when we're unwell, when we aren't thinking right. Um, when we're in severe trouble, You don't like keep us away to make Your life easy, but You entered right in. So God, help us to see that and rest in it today. Uh, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Um, the Psalms, uh, the Psalms are kind of weird. Uh, I love the Psalms. Um, as I've gotten older and I've suffered more in my life, I found more and more, uh, that the Psalms actually give me words to speak, uh, to God. Um, this is a theme you've heard from me over the last couple of weeks as we've been looking through the Psalter. Um, kind of trying to pick up these, these, uh, forms, these ways to pray to God, uh, Two weeks ago, we looked at a way to pray to God when we wake up in the morning and it's like our life just looks like it's going to be a disaster. We looked at that out of Psalm 3. And then last week, we looked at what a prayer looks like when we go to bed at night and we think back on our day and our day has just been a bad day. We thought about like prayers that calm our hearts. Well, today we're going to look at this prayer, this prayer for like time when distress hits, when trouble hits, when we're in the midst of suffering, when we look around us and things aren't the way that they should be. Um, we're going to look at a psalm that helps give voice to our struggle. Uh, there's, a, there's a scholar who, uh, who talks about the psalms about there being different types of psalms, psalms of orientation. Um, these psalms are the psalms that we read kind of at the end of the Psalter. They're like, praise the Lord. All ye servants of the Lord, praise Him, right? Like you're thinking about things in the right way. And then there's psalms of disorientation, like Psalm 88, which is like every depressed person's word in the Psalter. Um, ends on real bleak notes. But he also talks about psalms of reorientation. Psalms where you start off and it's like you can't really think straight. Things are messy. Things are hard. You can't really see God in the middle of your situation. And then as you read the psalm, it's like, it's like the, the, the fog's kind of clearing away. And you're beginning to see who God is in the midst of your trial and your circumstance, in the midst of your difficulty. This psalm is one of those types of psalms. 
It's a psalm of reorientation. Uh, a psalm where we read about David lamenting and then ending up worshiping. Um, what a weird like road to travel from lament to worship. Uh, the American church, we're just pretty bad at lamenting. I don't know if you guys have noticed that um, or not. But especially in this season, um, the American church just is really bad at dealing with sadness, um, at dealing with grief, at dealing with loss. Uh, we're all gung-ho about like conquering and overcoming and being happy and celebrating. We're really terrible about like covering ourselves with ash and lamenting. We're really bad at dealing with sadness. Um, really bad at dealing with the struggles of life when it seems like there's a real difference between what God promises us and what we're experiencing. Uh, my friend, I was talking to him uh, just on Thursday of this week. Uh, we were we were just sitting down having having a drink together and um, we were talking about church life. And he was telling me how like uh, he was in a group of of church planters and they were they were just talking over and over again about this idea of really wanting to celebrate well, really wanting to live well, um, really wanting to have the joy of the Lord uh, kind of permeate. And that sounds great. Um, my buddy was like. I just want my church to be a sad church. Like a church that knows how to lament well and still find the joy of the Lord while lamenting. And this threw his friend off, right? His friends were like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, wants them to learn how to lament well. Wants them to learn how to find rest when there doesn't seem to be rest. So that's what we're going to look at today. And the question just to start off is, can you relate? <laughs> can you relate to David? Um, his cry uh, is just one of the most, like, yeah, this is one of those prayers that's kind of like ugly prayer. Um, do you know what I'm talking about ugly prayer? Like, you know what it is to ugly cry, right? Um, that's like when you're beyond the point of just like the tears coming down, but you're like literally like convulsing and sobbing. Ugly cry. David ugly cries in front of all of us. He feels alone, forsaken by God. And I wonder if you can identify with that today. If you can know what it is to sit before God and be undone completely undone. Um, I remember I remember one time, uh, this was a particularly bad year, it was 2017, and I'd just come off of multiple surgeries, and then my wife miscarried, and then uh, immediately after that I found out that uh, the church that we had been a part of for about 22 years, where I was a pastor, that I was no longer going to be a pastor there. Um, that's lament. That's ugly crying. Um, God, where are you? Feeling forsaken. I want you to walk out of here today knowing this, this just beautiful truth 
Um, Jesus was forsaken so that you could know acceptance. Jesus was forsaken so that you could know acceptance. That's all I want you to know today. Simple, simple sermon. Simple points. First one. Jesus was forsaken. First two verses of this psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Uh, in reading that to you like that, I'm really not doing justice to this. If we were in a much larger setting where I could actually yell it, like that's actually what's going on here. This isn't, this isn't meek. This isn't quiet. This is a guttural cry from David. He's expressing this deep despair. This deep despair. Why have you forsaken me? I'm, I don't, don't you remember me, God? I'm David. I'm the king. You've, you've anointed me. You've set me apart. You're supposed to be with me. Where are you? He's experiencing something very different. You see, his throne was supposed to be established, and yet all he experiences is just trouble all the time. Problems pressing in. Issues. Sickness. Death. All around him. And he does what any of us would do. He'd cry out, God, where are you? Where are you? Kids, maybe you can figure this out. Maybe you understand what this is like. This is kind of like when you fall and you hurt yourself and you yell out, Mom, Dad, help! And then no one comes. And then you're like, help! No, I'm in trouble! No one's there. No, I need you now. I'm hurt. I'm bleeding. Silence. That's how David feels. Why are you not doing something about this? God, I'm all alone. I wonder if you can identify with that. If you're here today and you're going through some sort of struggle, some sort of problem in your life where you're crying out, God, help, intervene, be here with me, I need you. And it's like nothing. <laughs> C.S. Lewis talks about this uh, in, in, his, uh, in his book, A Grief Observed. Um, C.S. Lewis found uh, the love of his life late uh, in his life, and uh, they were married, and his wife got cancer and died early. And he talks about praying and it being like this, like the heavens were made of brass and his, his prayers were just reverberating off them back at him, like the doors of heaven were closed to him. Where is God? Am I all alone? Has He forsaken me? Uh, if you would, if you have your Bibles, turn in them to Matthew chapter 27. 
Matthew 27, um, we're going to start in verse 45. Uh, this is after Jesus is on the cross. Um, by the way, uh, Matthew 27 and Psalm 22 are just like they go hand in hand with each other. Um, it says this, Now from the sixth hour uh, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour, and about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on the reed and gave it to him. But others said, Wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Um, I think the real comforting thing in, in this psalm, David's shout of despair is not just David's shout. And it's not just your shout and my shout. This is Jesus' cry from the cross. God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? You see, he knows what it is to be forsaken. He understands what it feels like to be all alone. As his father turned his back on him. Because he was. And Jesus faced all of this misery. All of this sadness. All of this grief. And he did it for you. He did it for me. But notice here in Matthew 27, there's no cry for vengeance. Um, there's no, no plea for justice. No cry that those who had abandoned him would get their, get their due. Instead, in the midst of this injustice, Jesus prays to his Father a plea for mercy. Lord, forgive them. They do not know what they do. You see, he did this so that you and I would be saved. He was forsaken so that we would be accepted. He was undone so that we could be remade. He became fatherless so that we would gain our father. Children... Jesus knows what it is to be abandoned. Abandoned by his friends. He knows what it is to have his father leave him. Dear friends, Jesus was forsaken. He gives you these words so that you might know that your words in the darkness of the night, in the middle of your distress, when you cry out to God, God, where are you? That He is familiar with those words because they're His. He didn't stay forsaken, though. 
He was raised and is seated at the right hand of the Father, awaiting you and I, advocating for you and I. You see, this is the great thing about this. This isn't just about some sort of exchange, sin for righteousness. It's about that. But it's also about the reality that you now can approach the throne of God knowing that in the middle of your cries, in the middle of your distress, in the middle of your ugly crying, ugly praying, Jesus knows. And He doesn't just know intellectually. He knows experientially what it is to be you. You see, Jesus knew no rest so that we could find rest. Second point. You can feel this despair building. Oh my God, I cry to you by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Later on, um, Jesus or David recalls the fact that his father's cried out. He's kind of like reminding himself, you know, like, oh, my, my parents cried out to you and you answered them, right? My ancestors did that. You answered them. And yet he experiences no rest. This word rest is actually really interesting. Um, and uh, like within, within like the range of its meanings, it means silence. Um, it's like all he hears is noise and accusations, but there's no silence. There's no rest for his heart. There's no rest in God. There's no comfort for His crying and His tears. The beauty is, is it's like here that we meet Jesus all over again, right? When Jesus says to us in Matthew 11, Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, Come to me, all you who have cried out and feel like God's not there. Come to me, and you'll find rest. I'll give you rest. Well, how does he give us rest? He gives us rest now through his work of submission and suffering. Um, You and I don't have to try to walk that road perfectly. We can't, but Jesus did it for you and I, so that in our doubts, in our struggles with our faith, in the, in the lament of life, we can find rest knowing that Jesus has gone through that perfectly for you and I. But he also gives us rest through the preached word as you hear this good news proclaimed over you over and over again, week after week, relieving the burden of perfect living from you and introducing you to your Savior who says, come, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Find rest. He gives you rest as you partake of the Lord's Supper, being reminded over and over again that this God cares for you so much that he was willing to have his body broken and his blood shed so that you could come and eat and drink. He gives us rest now as He reminds us of His faithfulness in the past 
it brings our minds to the reality that God will be faithful in the future. You see, he gives us rest as we commune together, a people of God who aren't scared of ugly crying, um, who aren't chased off by the difficulties of life. He gives us rest now as our friends speak truth to us in the midst of the difficulty remembering it. You see, this is what Jesus does in and for us. He brings our hearts from disorientation to orientation, from ugly crying and despairing to ugly crying and worshiping. He has been faithful, and he will be faithful. So what do we do? How do we respond? Well, friends, come and find rest as one who is accepted and loved. The beautiful thing about the resurrection is this. Um, in the resurrection, we actually know, like we can, we can know for sure that was, that was God's stamp of approval on Jesus' work for us. Um, in the resurrection, because Christ was resurrected, God the Father now looks at you and me, the people for whom Christ died, and he says, oh, those are my children. I love them. Jesus was accepted. He was rejected, he was crucified, and he was accepted, and then he enters his rest and now through faith in Him, we look forward to entering our rest. You see, friends, the beauty of this psalm is not only does it give voice to our, to our difficult prayers with God, why are you not there? Why have you abandoned me? I cry out all day and you don't answer. I come to you at night and it feels like I'm just talking to the, to the ceiling. Where are you? But it reorients us. It reorients us to this beautiful, um, this beautiful like act of worship. Um, From you comes my praise in the great congregation. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. You see, here's the great thing about this psalm. Um, so often I feel like in my own life and in the work that I've done, um, like God actually kind of gets tired of me just coming to him uh, over and over again. Uh, I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of a moody person. I don't know if you've picked up on that. Um, sometimes I think when I'm out walking and praying and crying, like, dude, I wonder if God just gets tired of this. I wonder if God ever, like his patience with that ever runs out. Um, I love this. Verse 44, he is not despised or abhorred or found disgusting. The affliction of the afflicted, he's not hidden his face from him, but is heard when he cried to him. And then down to verse 26, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. 
You see, friends, we can come and we can find our rest. We can come and we can have our hearts reoriented to see Him in the midst of our affliction. And we can eat and we can be satisfied. We do this as we partake of the Lord's Supper, right? Um, the Lord's Supper on a catapult our minds forward to the day when we will enter our rest that Christ has secured to us, has secured for us. We can know that this is a celebration of our acceptance. You see, this is the great thing about doing this every week. Every week you have your own circumstances, you have your own life, your own suffering, you have the suffering of the world around you, saying there is no rest. God doesn't hear. God doesn't care. He believes in God. Let him deliver him, for he delights in him, and they mock you in that. Your own conscience mocks you in that. And yet week after week, we come and we take, we taste and see that the Lord is good. Even in the midst of our difficulties, we eat and we're satisfied. See, friends, Jesus, He's acquainted with our suffering. He knows our grief. He knows what it is to lament to cry, to cry about the suffering in your own life and the suffering you see in your friends' lives and in the world. He gives you the words to say as you lament. And then He invites you into His rest because you are the beloved of God. May God make this church into a church that laments well, rejoices well, and eats and is satisfied. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You so much that You did not stay away. Um, you entered right in. Uh, you, you, uh, yeah, you knew sin. Uh, you who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Lord, help us to know that these words are your words and you give us the license to use them so that we can, in all of our distress, in all of our doubt, in all of our depression, we can come and have hope because you've overcome. Help us to find rest. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.